0: All right, people, I know some of you are panicked right now. You're like Weldon Johnson. You haven't gotten anyone a Christmas gift, including your wife. You're in big, big trouble. Amazon can't get it there in time. You don't want to risk Omnicron by going to shop at a store. You're in luck. Give the gift of let Give a VIP membership. You actually have to sign up and pay for them because they need a membership to log in. But go to let'srun.com slash subscribe, print out something from the page, wrap it up, and when have them sign up and give them your credit card number. The perfect gift, bonus podcast, save 20% on shoes. Do it now. Support independent journalism.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to a Christmas edition of the Let's Run.com track talk podcast. There weren't any races of note last week, but we don't take weeks off here at Let's Run.com. We're gonna weigh in on the departures at NAZ Elite. We find out why Jeffrey Cam only ran 205 in the Valencia Marathon a few weeks ago. We drool over the loaded men's 3,000-meter field at next month's Milrose Games, talk about a 17-year-old from Denmark who's running 100 miles a week, and even take a glimpse into the future and discuss what we're most excited about in 2022. Guys, as we record this, with three days out from Christmas, it's Jonathan Golt here. I'm joined by my bosses and co-hosts, Robert and Weldon Johnson. Gentlemen, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. How are you all holding up this week?
2: I'm doing well, John, but Robert's intro got me a little worried. My wife did give me the, don't get me anything. I'm serious. I mean it, nothing. Don't do it. Is that a trap? Viewers, please email me. This is urgent. We do it. Let's run. I'm going to be in Austin. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm very excited to be back in Texas. I'm so excited. I, I told my wife I want to go eat Tex-Mex in Norwalk, Connecticut tonight, which is a mistake. So I I, I don't need Tex-Mex today before i go to texas but if anyone got any christmas ideas that i can pick up in austin let me know
1: yeah well then i feel like if if you have a con if you have like multiple conversations with her and every time she's saying don't get me a gift maybe then you start to pay attention but if it's just like one time i think you can still get her i think she probably would still appreciate a gift
2: it's been multiple it's still stressing me
1: oh okay i'm not sure then I mean, may- maybe you get, you have a young daughter. Maybe you get her something nice and that's something extra nice that your wife doesn't know about. I don't know. Well, then, I'm not married. So, but I think usually even people who say, don't get me a gift, are still happy to receive a gift if you get them a good one.
2: Yeah. The Christmas, the holiday season, it, it's just my weaknesses. There's no right answer on gifts. And I spend way too much time thinking about them and then rush at the last second.
0: As for me, guys. My wife's gift came in the mail on Monday, thanks to the VIP Supporting Club member. Sent me the pair of super shoes. My wife really isn't even a runner, but you heard me raving about them. She wants to walk in them. The crazy thing is, I didn't even know you had to sign for anything anymore. I didn't know that existed. I wasn't here at the office when FedEx came by. I had to go sign for them, and I guess that makes sense. I mean, they're worth like one-third the price of a phone. No way was the FedEx guy going to leave them out on the stoop. Somebody probably steal these super shoes. So they're here. The FedEx employee did not want to give them to me because they were addressed to Rojo Johnson. And I kept trying to explain, like, we need to see ID. I said, here it is. Like, that says Robert Johnson. I said, I know that's my nickname. I'm a celebrity. Don't you know who I am? Eventually she gave it to me should
1: You should have showed them the mic that you're talking into right now. The personalized Rojo mic. Said that, I am Rojo. There is no other Rojo.
2: Thank you, Jonathan. Everybody does need to start 2021 right. Get your drink elements sent your way. If you haven't tried it, hundreds of you, I don't know, maybe thousands of you. It seems like a lot of people. But I, every time I run into Letch Runners, they say you've tried it. You like this stuff. Go to drinklmnt.com slash let's run. Free trial. This is electrolytes without the junk. Why do you need all that loaded extra sugar in your electrolytes? You don't. You got to try this stuff. I love it. Order now. It'll be there right there, right? Probably like right Jan 1 to start the year off right. Check it out. Link in the show notes.
0: But on a personal level, guys, it's been tough. My Ravens, the only team in NFL history to lose three games in a row by two points or less. John, how are you holding up? Your Patriots lost. Tom Brady was shut out. I'm worried about you.
1: You know what? Saturday night wasn't fun. I was at a friend's house for a Christmas party, and we were all big Patriots fans. We were watching the game. We were all fairly disappointed. But I took some solace in, look, Mac Jones is a rookie. He was going to have a bad game. It was inevitable. Indianapolis is a good team. And you know what? The Patriots made a lot of stupid mistakes, and they were still in with a chance to win it late in the game. So I think if we can just eradicate those mistakes moving forward, we we still have a good chance for success this season. We've got Buffalo at home this week. We win. It's basically we lock up the AFC East. And Kansas City, there's there's a COVID outbreak over there. They're down Tyreek Hill. They're down Travis Kelsey. If they lose to Pittsburgh this weekend and we win, we're right back in the driver's seat for the number one seed. So uh, you know what? Yeah, we we won't we win every game this season, so I'm doing okay, Robert.
0: Well, I like the optimism, John. So let's start with that. Folks, those of you wondering, some of you probably were down too. Like Jeffrey Canmore, this guy said that he could break a two-hour marathon. He went to Valencia, didn't even run with the lead pack, only runs 205. But I was like, why did he run with the leaders? This didn't make any sense to me. Jonathan Galt has the inside scoop. Tell us what you know. When and where will he be breaking two hours, John?
1: Well, it's not that I have the inside scoop. I read an article on the NN Running Team website, and I'll give the Running Team props because they do a good job of, they have a whole website about this team, which is Jeffrey Kamwaro and Joshua Cheptegei and Elliot Kipchoge. It's not a team in the traditional sense. They're not all training together, but they're writing stories about their athletes and giving you insight that you don't get in a lot of other places. So yeah, it's sort of a, it's a PR organ for that team, but they also give you information. And for this, we learned Jeffrey Kamwaror in ahead of the Valencia marathon. He only trained seriously for five weeks. He had a stress fracture in his metatarsal earlier this summer. And that's what ruled him out of the Olympics. He missed six weeks due to that. He comes back. He trains for one week building up for Valencia. And then he injures his ankle, misses another three weeks and then he gets back, and he's really only gets a, gets a five week build up for the Valencia Marathon. And he told NM Running Team, he said, "I did just two track sessions and one long run with the ladies, and the rest were just normal runs. Let's say I was fifty percent prepared. So to do that and to still run two hundred five twenty three shows you how talented he is. I'm I'm kind of surprised he even ran this race, but it had been a while since he'd run any marathon, and I think he. Just wanted to. It sounded like he just wanted to run one. So it does put the result in a new light. I think we all came away thinking 205, you didn't even run with the leaders. What's going on? But this sort of explains that result now.
0: While we're talking about men's marathoners, there was some news on that front here domestically in the United States last week. Coming out of Flagstaff, the birthplace of Let's Run. Com, a number of. Men on the Hoka NAZ elite team coached by Ben Rosario have left the team. 35-year-old Scott Smith. 30-year-old Scott Fable, 25-year-old Rory Winkletter. I know I'm missing somebody else.
1: Sid Vaughn, 27 years old.
0: They're all gone. But they still have some, you know, high-profile people. Alex Masai, Matt Baxter, Tyler Day, etc. But women's team, no departures. Men's team, a lot of departures. John, you've spoken to these people. What's going on?
1: Yeah, when it's it, when four guys leave in the span of a week, it looks like there's some bigger trend, some mass exodus going on. But the reality is it's the end of the year. This is when athletes make decisions about these sort of things. This is when contracts are up. So if you look at the individual reasons, you can start to, say, to make more sense of it. Scott Smith, he's 35. He basically commutes from Los Angeles. His wife lives there. They're expecting a kid in January. His contract was up. It kind of makes sense why he's retiring. Sid Vaughn, his contract was up as well. He hadn't really been able to stay healthy and essentially had not, you know, he was, Ben Rosario told him you need to put up some kind of performance to sort of earn a new deal. He wasn't able to do that. So he was not renewed. The two interesting ones are Farble and Linklender because Farble's thirty still in your prime for a marathoner Linklet is 22, 25 has only been there a couple of years. Let's start with Farble. I talked to him yesterday and he essentially said, you know, he felt like he'd plateau. He ran two Oh nine Oh nine in Boston in 2019, but had not been able to run faster or have a better finish in a major since then. And when you plateau as a runner, you kind of have to decide, am I just going to stick with it or do I need to change something up? A lot of people like to change something up and Scott elected to change up his coaching situation. So he said, you know, he parted amicably with Ben, but and he had years remaining on his contract. He could have stayed with the group if he wanted to, but instead he's leaving. He's going to stay in Flagstaff for the time being and he's going to be coached by Joe Bossard. So I think it sounds like he might go to Colorado during a marathon build-up or two, but for now his... Fiance still works in Flagstaff, so he's going to stay there for the time being.
0: And Rory had time on his contract too, right? Where's he going?
1: Yeah, Rory, his contract would have run through the end of 2022, but he said similar thing to Scott. You know, He ran a good race. He went 61-44 at the Houston half in 2020, but really since then, Rory said he hadn't had any results that kind of exceeded his expectations. He was able to run 212 at CIM earlier this month which is fine but it's not what he was looking for you know he was kind of hoping to have made more progress I think so again he sort of he was looking at the people who were beating him or who was running he felt like people were beating him who he was better than in college and he has decided to leave the group and join well he's going to be coached by Ryan Hall now and he too is he's staying in Flagstaff
0: so big picture-wise, this to me, you know, people trying to make it out to a scandal or something like that. I love Ben. I think he's done a lot for the sport. Sounds like two guys were cut. Two guys tr- decided to try something else. I mean, and, and for the most part, it's very logical. It makes sense to me. I mean, a 35-year-old with a baby on the way, unless somebody's going to throw a bunch of money at you, it's time to get on with your life. Um, And the other two, you know, the, the, the Fobble and Linkletter, I get it. To me, this reminds me of Drew Hunter a little bit of like, you're stagnating. You're not having the results you want. You want to see if something else is going to get you over the hump. Um, you know, I don't think the coach makes the, the athlete generally. I'm not saying coaching doesn't matter, but you know, to me, when I look at both of them, I don't want to disrespect their talent, but we just talked about a super talented guy that can run 205 in five weeks of training, Jeffrey Cammore, and these guys are doing all right. And I can commend both sides of it, like – I mean, I'm playing both ways in the sense of, like, I don't think they have the talent to be super, super elite. There's a re- I mean, Roy Linkletter, his final year in college, 15th at the NCAA meet in the 10,000. Now, I know as a junior he was second. But, you know, the and we're going to talk about this more later on in the podcast when we make maybe some predictions for the 2024 Olympics. But the very best guys are so much better than everybody else. It's like a bell curve. The difference between fifth, the, the, the person that's normally first, they have a bad day, they're fifth. But the person that on the brace of their life is second can easily finish 15th the next year. So I don't know him running two twelve. Maybe he wants to run a little bit faster. You know, he was like what? 22nd at NCAA cross. Um, I guess Fabio was a little bit better than that. He was a footlocker finalist. He was 12th at NCAA cross. You know, he ran two Oh nine, but did you ask these guys, John, how much of it was the shoes too? Like, I don't think their talent level is two Oh six, you know, at least pre super shoe era. But to me, Particularly with Fobble, he ran two oh nine, not in the super shoes. Now maybe it was win eight in Boston, but how much of it is hey, Hoka doesn't really have a super shoe. I need to try one of those out.
1: Scott said the shoes had zero to do with his decision to leave. Uh, Rory said it was a factor, but it wasn't the the biggest factor because he essentially said, "Look, I was look, comparing myself to some of the guys who have been beating me, who I was racing in college that I was beating," and he said. To me, there are two things that you would think would make the difference between, you know, going from beating them a couple of years ago to now losing to them. And it would be either the shoes or the coaching. So he's like, I need to change one or in this case, both. Uh, So, yeah, but he didn't he didn't say that it was the biggest factor. he just said it was something he considered.
0: But if it was all coaching, why did he get second NCAAs as a junior and then 15th as a senior? So, if these guys are listening to it, I want to give them props for leaving the group in the sense of the fire's still burning hard. They're not content to just cash a paycheck. They're taking a huge financial risk here to try to be better. So, I think that's great. But generally, my my, my thing is the big talents jump out at you. These guys are pretty talented. They're not big, 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 big talents. So, I think that they're going to find similar types of success with somebody else than they were under this group. Although the shoes... Could be worth two minutes.
1: Well, the the Fable thing is interesting to me, right? Because he runs 20909 at age 27 in 2019 in the spring of 2019. And when he does that, I think, oh man, like he was he had run pretty solid marathons to that point. And then that looked to be a really big breakout performance. I thought this guy's gonna be on the Olympic team next year. You know, how much better could he get? And that's how you look at it. And I'm sure that's how Scott was looking at it. He's like, if I can run this at 27, and I've only been running the marathon for a couple of years. How good could I get at this? Whereas, sometimes this happens in a professional running career that, you know, that you run your greatest performance and then that's it. You know, you think, oh, I, I'm in my prime now. I can even continue getting better. But sometimes it's just everything goes right on that day. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I don't think Scott Farble, You know, I don't think this is a loss we've heard from him. But just sometimes it does happen that way that you don't know you've run your best marathon ever when you've run it. It's only in a few years later that you look back and it's like, wow, that was. The day. But from what I've heard, like he's pretty consistent. He doesn't get injured that often. Most of his build-ups are all pretty solid. I mean, he ran 209 at the marathon project last year, so I don't think he's washed up, but I think it makes sense. Look, if you've if you haven't seen an improvement and you think everything else is going pretty well that you're still training well, yeah, maybe it is time to change up the training and get a new stimulus.
2: There seems to have been a lot of intrigue about this on the forums. But my takeaway is it's sort of a win-win. Major props to Hoka for letting these guys go. Fabo and Linkletter had years left on their contract. I think it's unusual just to say, go, do what you want. I guess it's happening more often these days with athletes who just sort of like, hey, this isn't really working. But it frees up money for Hoka. Their women's team is doing great. There's only a fine out night amount of money. So focus thinking, hey, these guys aren't going to do much better than they're doing. You let them go. And for these two guys, maybe we should take them individually, but we'll just say Scott Fobble because he's the faster of the guy. He's run 209 twice, but, I mean, uh, that got him sixth or seventh in the Boston Marathon, fourth at the Marathon Project. Maybe he could sniff an Olympic team. And that's a pretty good accomplishment, but in today's era – you really need to be 205 206 207 marathoner and i think the last few marathons scott's done he's got to wonder even though he says he doesn't hey would different shoes help me and until hoka gets a super shoe that's on level with the other ones i mean maybe it's the women's shoe it works better who knows but but for the men the testing that's been done by that independent guy in texas said it's not there yet so get a new shoe but most importantly change the stimulus Roger Clemens, this isn't probably the best example. He was with the Red Sox. He leaves, goes to Toronto Blue Jays. New stimulus. Oh, wait, might have been something else. Okay, let me find a better example. Tom Brady, John. I think Tom Brady was a better quarterback last year. The last couple years with the Patriots, people are like, oh, the passing's not there, whatever. He goes to Tampa Bay. He's got something to prove again. New stimulus is all around. And I think sometimes you get a momentary bump in performance. So I think that's what these guys are looking for. And I wonder if there wasn't some coordination on some level. Maybe Scott says he's leaving, and then Rory's like, well, he's the best marathon in the group. Who am I going to train with? And he decides to leave as well. But I wish him luck. They need to run a lot faster in, in today's era.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was coordinated. I talked to both of them about that, and they said that they sort of made their decisions independently. And I would also say just, you know, as a patriots fan i think brady was better in 2020 than he was in 2019 but i think also a lot of that had to do with the supporting cast well then he was throwing to mike evans and chris godwin and rob gronkowski instead of Nikhil harry and muhammad sanu and matt mccos you know so trade partners aren't gonna you know he's got to go training partners but anyway no i i get what you're saying yeah i agree i think it makes sense it's like if something's not working, you want to change, find a route. Changing coach is often a route people take. I think Ben's a good coach, but sometimes you just need a fresh start.
2: My question for these guys though, are they going to be used to working out by themselves? Are they going to try to get together for some runs? Because a big part of the Hoka group is the team culture. You're doing workouts with other people. As a guy who trained by myself in my quote, pro career, it's very different than People being on a team, a lot of adjustment. I think probably one reason I struggled the marathon.
1: I did ask Scott that because you know he's been on the during his whole pro career, it's been with NAZ Elite, and he's had people like Scott Smith to train with. He said right now he's actually kind of enjoying training alone, and he likes that the accountability is all on you. But he admitted he doesn't know what it's going to be like, and there are people in flats. There are plenty of people to train with in flag stuff. Like if you're looking for training partners, flag stuff about the best place in America to find them. But there still aren't a lot of two or marathons in this country. So yeah, I think that's wait and see for Scott, but it's something he's willing to at least try uh, the start here.
0: Well, then that's why this was kind of a big deal on the message board. And the answer to that is simple. There's a lot of jealous people that want to be pro coaches or college coaches and they can't break into the industry. I always said the coaching threads are the hardest threads to moderate because people would pay literally to get a job, to get a break in the industry. Everyone thinks they can coach and there's only so many jobs out there. So that's it. But when I saw it, and again, I don't want to bash on these guys too much, but it's like we're making a big hubbub about why these guys who weren't superstars by any stretch of the imagination in college, you know, why aren't they running faster than like 209 in the marathon? That's pretty good for where they are. Middle, if they were in Japan, they would be one of 45 people to have done it this year. 45? Yeah, it might even be. That's what tell a show list, 45. There was 42 people that did it in Lake Biwa alone, right? But maybe they weren't all Japanese.
2: Under 210 or under 209?
0: Under 210 this year. 42 men broke 210 at Lake Biwa.
2: Okay, America, we got to raise the bar says the 218 marathoner.
1: How many sub-full miles did Japan have, though? I mean, it's different emphasis in different countries.
0: Uh, let's don't go into the genetic difference between races or men and women. We can't go there. All races are the same now. Not only are all races the same, all sexes are the same, people. Oh, by the way, we got an interesting email. I, I haven't responded to the podcast listener who says, Well and I do not need to rant on transgender every week, so I will not do it this week, but that's one of the beauties of not having a good memory because when a topic comes up, I feel the same passion as the first time it hit me. I don't remember what I said last week.
1: I, I should have. I'm sorry. This is my fault. I should have known that if I crack the window even a little to open the debate to transgender or anything like that, Robert is going to barrel through it with a freight train. So it seems like we're getting him back on tracks, But I should be better in future. I need to limit all those opportunities.
0: Okay, I'll just take a slight crack into COVID talk for one second.
1: What? I No, 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 no. This is a totally different off-topic. You didn't even... There was nothing related to COVID in any of the discussions we've had so far and now you're going to... There isn't a crack to open. You're forcing through a crack. You're taking a pile driver or, sorry, a jackhammer and forcing the crack open yourself, Robert.
0: Okay, we don't have to talk about here. i going to have people Google the wonderful Japanese people that hosted John and I for 11 days this summer. Omicron is not doing anything there and people are stunned that there's like zero, very little COVID right now in Japan and the hospitalizations aren't going up because of Omnicon and people aren't sure why. And just Google around about it, folks. It's interesting. Japan is way less obese than America. That could have something to do with it. All right, moving on. No more COVID talk.
2: What do you mean? We're going to get to COVID talk right now, I think because last week's guest, Nick Willis on the podcast they were going to have the Tracksmith Midnight Gala or the Midnight Gala sponsored by Tracksmith Foundation, something like that, attempting to run a sub four-minute mile for the 20th twentieth straight year. Cool event. You could have run, partied all at the same time. I was going to even go. I texted Matt or the CEO of Tracksmith, after talking to Nick, and I was like, hey, Matt. I know you might want to promote this event more. Maybe we could do something formally. You know, we talked to Nick and then Matt wrote me back. We're a little worried about COVID. And then I'm within a day I come around. I'm like, I'm pretty like gung ho. Let's go on with things. That's my mentality with COVID. I think we've handled this stuff pretty poorly as a country. Haven't done enough age stratification, whatever. But I thought about it and I'm like, if I'm hosting this thing with the paranoia that's going on, especially this being in New York city, I probably pull the plug and that's what happened. Nick himself will still be going for the event record with no fans. I wonder if I can go watch media, but I'm sure the New York Knicks will have about three games before then with 15,000 fans, but we can't have a running event in New York city. But I think if I was hosting this event, I would have, I would have pulled the plug too. What do you guys think?
1: I think it makes sense. I'm not going to fault anyone with the rising cases right now to pull the plug on this sort of thing. Like, okay, the Knicks might still be hosting games. The Rangers won't be. The NHL has paused their season. So. That was like a two-day extra pause, John, I think. Okay, well, it's more than nothing. Like, the Premier League has been postponing games. Like, they wouldn't be the first sports organization to cancel something in December 2020. One.
0: I don't know what to say. Can I just say I'm so done with COVID? I mean, if I was mad, I would have canceled this event too. But I play it both ways on COVID. Like, why risk it? Why have the social mob coming after you? But I'm all for the NFL going on. But some of this stuff just makes no sense. Like, Omicron's out. I'm not going to lie. I'm saying I'm done with COVID. I did buy four rapid tests yesterday. The last four at the I could find in the city of Baltimore because – we're going to see my wife's parents. They're elderly. We might as well test to make sure we don't have it before we spend three days with them. I feel like that's responsible. So I'm trying to be reasonable about it, but I just, I mean, Omicron hits, people suddenly are worried about cases. Why? We took vaccines so that we wouldn't get death and hospitalization. So why do we, why do we care about cases? It doesn't make any sense to me. And then the one solution is the federal government now is going to be giving everybody free COVID tests to take it home. Yet the NFL solution is we're gonna test less now that Omicron's out, which is a what a complete joke. Like the NFL is gonna test less now just because they're getting more positive tests and they don't want to have more positive tests. Then just stop the charade and make no tests. Like I don't know. I I feel like at this point, people know what the risks are, and you know if you want to go somewhere, you should be allowed to go there. If you don't want to go somewhere, you should you know you shouldn't go there. But don't say I'm anti-Covid. I'm triple vexed.
1: Okay. What I would say about this though. Okay. This was a cool event. I commend Tracksmith for coming up with this idea. It's a bummer that people won't be there in person for it. But if Omicron takes the Milrose games for me. It can fuck off. I'm going to be so mad about that. Because this week we had multiple pro athlete announcements for Milrose. Which is five weeks from now at the Armory. Christian Coleman. Who has been banned from the sport. For 18 months for whereabouts failures, he is making his return, his first race in almost two years, at Milrose on January 29th. And then later in the week, we learn the men's 3000 field, one of the most loaded Millrose fields I can ever remember seeing. Here's who's running it. We've got Cole Hawker, Edward Cheserek, Eric Jenkins, Connor Mance, Wesley Kiptu, Yara Nagoose, Cooper Teer jody Beamish. You know what all of those guys have in common? They're all NCAA individual champions. Then we've got Drew Hunter, we've got Joe klecker and Luis Grialva. The latter two are Olympians. And we've got John Gay, who's an Olympic steeplechaser from Canada. I mean, it's an incredible field. Cole Hawker has switched from the one to make a mile to run this. If we don't get to see this race in five weeks because of Omicron, I'm going to be very upset.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a real bummer, John. And you know, with it being the end of the year, one thing I was thinking about was we could do a year in review and talk about the best performances and the MVPs and all that. But that takes a lot of prep work, so didn't want to do that today. I didn't have time. But can we just take a step back and think about, like, be thankful of the fact that we did get some track and field this year? I mean, I, the other day, with Omicron and all the stuff yesterday, and I, my wife wanted me to get rapid tests, and people were canceling this and that, and... I literally forgot how long it's been for COVID. I couldn't remember. I I thought we were coming on two years, but I couldn't remember how many winters that was and how many NCAA championships and Ivy League championships were missed. And then I I kind of thought about it. I'm like, okay. It hit, and we basically missed all of 2019, the regular track season, right, outdoors.
1: 2020.
0: No, 2019.
1: No, 2020. I went to the 2019 World Championships.
0: Oh, yeah, excuse me. It was in 2020. You see, this is how my brain's. Okay, so 2020 we have NC indoors. Everything after NC indoors, including NC indoors, is canceled. Basically, they had a few exhibitions in the summer, but then this year, I mean, we they were doing like Diamond League. They were afraid to have the pre classic, but then we got in the Olympics, and then we had a kind of a normal few three or four months, and then the vaccine started to wear off or whatever, and we're kind of like starting all over again. It's it's, it's kind of scary, but I'm just thankful that thank God we had an Olympics. Thank God we had all these major marathons. Thank God we had some Diamond League. And, you know, what a crazy year. What a crazy two years it's been, really. Think about it this year. We had a Tokyo Marathon in 2020, but not 2021. But we did have an Olympics in between there. So (laughs) the Japanese were bold and then bold and then got scared again. And then it's just, it's up and down. And it's like, I'm so tired of this. It's like we keep thinking we're going to be done with it and we're not done with it. So yeah. I mean, at this point with the way people are panicking about cases, which I don't think is what we should be panicking about. I hope there's some sanity and we do have an indoor track season.
1: Well, people are still dying. I'm pretty sure a thousand Americans are still dying every day from this thing, Robert. So it's not exactly as if it's only cases, but I'm pretty confident given the spread of vaccines. There's, if we had an indoor track season in 2021 without vaccines, I'm pretty confident we're going to have one again next year. Does that mean one or two meets might be canceled? That that could happen. I'm not hundred percent confident Milrose goes forward, but this isn't going to be like 2020 where everything's getting canceled left and right. We're still going to be having events.
2: Being a Texan John, I wish the blue states had taken this seriously and gotten the vaccines.
1: But yeah, I'm I'm very grateful, Robert. I think it's 2021, a lot better year than 2021, than 2020 was. We had two NCAA cross-country championships. We had NCAA indoors, outdoors. Those are some of my favorite meets. We had a USA Olympic trials. We had an Olympics. We had five major marathons this fall. You know, we had a lot of the good stuff that makes our sport so great. And were those things at full capacity? Did we get full spectators? No, but... We got lots of good stuff. I mean, Cole Hawker, Thing Mo, emerging as the new generation of American superstars. So so many good things happen in the sport. I'm very grateful for what we did get to see. All
0: right. What are we going to have to look forward to in 2022? Because 21 was pretty damn good. But I'm I'm getting pumped for 2022 when I think about it. Let's start with the sprints. I mean, the 400 hurdles are amazing any time the men or women run it, but... I am particularly excited for the men's 100. Look at the storylines. Christian Coleman returns to action. Hi, Mr. Coleman. We know you're listening. Since For those of you that don't listen every week, Christian Coleman's dad, is, so let's run. Visitor, I think podcast listener as well. At least he was. Um, Marcel Jacobs, the Olympic champion from Italy, will be surprise champion. We'll be back at it. Trayvon Bromel, who looked unbeatable early in the year. Noah Lyles, can he bounce back from a down year? Is Michael Norman going to drop down to the 100? Or will the new kid, Aaron Knight, just take over the sport? So, so many storylines. Like, what do you
2: guys think? Let's talk a minute here about Marcel Jacobs. He didn't even mention Fred Curley or Andre de
0: Well, even more people, even more people, but... I'm not going to lie. I was very skeptical of Marcel Jacobs' performance. What is me being a fan of track and field, professional track and field for the last 20 plus years taught me. If something seems suspicious, it normally is suspicious. And I was, I mean, I, I guess you couldn't place a bet on this, but I was going to bet, make it, I think I may have made a bold statement. I didn't think he would ever break 10 flat again. What do you guys think? I'm now getting nervous about this because did you guys seen this article? I think it was, must've been some, Syndicated article because I read it in the Times of India. But Marcel Jacobs says he's in sick shape. His training has been going so well, quote, it's scary. So I thought he'd never break 10 seconds again. But now I'm officially nervous. He says he's actually going to run the 200-something this year. So if he's that fit, I can't imagine why he wouldn't break 10 seconds again.
1: Yeah, I mean he's the Olympic hundred meter champion. Usually, when someone does that, they again break ten seconds the next year. I, I, I don't know what. Yeah, I think he's going to break ten. I think he'll be in the World Championship final. He's going to be a serious contender for the gold medal. I think Coleman's. I guess here's the question: Who's the favorite right now for a hundred meter gold at Eugene, twenty twenty two? I think it's Christian Coleman. What do you guys say?
2: I agree with you, John. I hate to join the party as well, but I'm green.
1: Because you just got to think his last 100-meter race that we saw him run was the World Championship Final in 2019, and he ran a personal best of 9.76 there. He's 25 years old. He's in his prime as a sprinter. You might think that some time off maybe he's a little rusty, but I think the talent's still there. And also... I bet he's going to have better spikes in 2022 than he did in 2019. I don't know when they started phasing in the super spikes for sprinting, but I bet they're going to be faster in 2022 than they were in 2019. So, yeah, I view him as the favorite. Remember, Marcel Jacobs' PR is 9.80 from the Olympic final, which is .04 slower than Coleman.
0: And remember, he'd never broken 10 seconds until this summer. He's age 27. I guess even if you're a skeptic, you could think that, Hey, Justin Gatlin appears to have been on drugs at one point in his career. He hasn't tested positive in a long damn time, and he he had a really good career. So there's some theory that even if you were on the sauce, if you get off of it, you still have some benefit from it. I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me. But I just thought that if someone was smart in this day and age, you would think that they would learn the lesson from Lance Armstrong, or if you're on something, Just go out on top. Don't come back, and then
2: get popped and be disgraced. It's like Mr. Big in the Sex and the City reboot. Guy should have never done it, man. I mean, that's even way more serious than doping, obviously.
1: I haven't been following that story really, but I I was. Robert, every time we talk about Marcel Jacobs, you just—I mean—you either strongly hint or just outright suggest he must have been doping to have improved that much. Do you are you open to any other? Explanation. I mean, I know his improvement is unlikely, and it's going to raise some red flags. But you just assume he has to be doping.
0: No, I'm open to the other ideas, and the fact that he's training and talking big makes me think. Well, maybe he just was an injury-prone guy that was more of a long jumper. I, I don't know, but he's he got a jack body. I'm not. I'm just saying what he did was highly suspicious. Look at the improvement curve at 27. But you know. Uh, it's going to be interesting to me. I'm going to watch it. A big part of sports to me is entertainment, and I'm not a sprinter, so the purity of it doesn't bother me as much as it does in the distance racing or, you know, some of these other events. So to me, that's going to be, you know, amazing viewing time. For the for the distances, I don't know. I mean, again, there's a lot of amazing things to be excited about. I mean. But what jumps out of my head right now? Men's 1,500. Because not only do you have Chariot versus Britson and potentially the chase for the world record, I'm into the return of Asbel Kiprop. Some of these anti-doping people. How can Rojo say that? He was one of my favorite runner. He looked like a gazelle to me. I'm like, if anyone's born to run, it's that guy. Do I think he's going to be elite? Again... One of my favorite phrases is talent doesn't go away. But he himself says he's got to lose some weight, which makes me nervous. I would have hoped that he would have been super motivated all these years. And, you know, for the last year, I've already lost that weight. But it'll make me turn in at least once. Just the concept, the thought that he can do it. And then we've got Elijah Maningoy coming back as well. What about you guys?
1: Yeah, I don't think Kiprop's really going to be a factor. He's 32 years old. He's been coming back after four years away. I mean, it's actually interesting. That's the same age Shelby Houlihan will be when she returns to her band from her band. So, you know, maybe that's a preview of what's to come. So anyway, I don't think he's going to be a factor. I am very excited for Ingebrigtsen versus Chariot though. Cause if we remember, you know, these two have been battling the last couple of years until 2021. Chariot had absolutely owned Ingebrigtsen. They're the Olympics. Ingebrigtsen finally beats him for the first time. He totally crushes Chariot at the Prefontaine Classic and the Bauman Mile. You think, oh, maybe this is the changing of the guard. Will Ingebrigtsen never lose to him again? No, Chariot comes back. Diamond League final Zurich. They battle down to the wire. Chariot pulls it out. Fantastic race. These are two of the fastest guys in history. I think both of them will be thinking about the world record. And you, know, you probably give Ingebrigtsen the, the slight edge because he's sort of been improving he's a little younger. But again, Timothy Chariot ran a personal best last year. It's not like he's getting that much slower. He's just got a much better rival now. So I'm going to be fascinated to see... Sorry, Chariot ran a personal best this year. Yeah, this season. So I'm very excited to see what happens in that event and that rivalry. Hopefully we get a few matchups between them. I'm also very interested to see a thing Mo in the 800. I assume she's just going to dominate everyone. But I don't know, Keely Hodgkinson's also run 155 and is also 19 years old, so maybe not. But I want to see how close a thing Mo gets to the world record, and I also want to see her try the 400 and the 800 at the world championships. I haven't seen if that's a feasible thing based on the schedule, but she has said openly, after winning the Olympics, she said those are her two big goals, double up in the four and eight and break the world record. So (laughs) that's a lot to expect for a woman who isn't even 20 years old yet, but she's shown she has... She's one of the biggest talents we've ever seen in that event. So, could happen.
0: And in the 1,500, I want to see Faith Kipyegon gun go for the world record. And then in the long distances, the women's side, I mean, Hassan, she was amazing. But how about her versus Gade some more? You know, let's get another round of that because can G'day really keep losing? What did she run in the half marathon? Was it 61 minutes? <laughs> she didn't run 61.
1: She ran 62, 53. Three? did she run? 62-something. Okay.
0: Uh, I was going to say 62 at first.
1: 62-52, I'm pretty sure it was. Let me let me double-check that. Yeah, that's what it was. No, what we need to see is those two... Remember they when they broke the world record on the same track two days apart? How about we get them both on the same track chasing sub-29, the first sub-29 ever by a woman in the 10,000 meters? And, you know, most races I'd normally take Hassan over day but... I think in an all-out world record attempt, that might be the best chance for Goodday to beat her because it's just about pure, you know, strength as opposed to strategy. So I'd, I'd love to see some meet organizer, and again, they have the same agency. This shouldn't be that hard to coordinate. Fly them out to Valencia or Monaco or somewhere, and get them to run a 10k world record attempt together. Yeah,
0: 2022, we could see the first sub 14 and first sub 29 for the women
2: and a 340-1500. Do you guys realize how close we're to all of those? You could have a 340-something 1500, a 28-something 10K, and a 13-something 5K for the women. And we already have the 62? That's just crazy for the half marathon. And John, you mentioned that world record in the 800. It used to just sort of be viewed as almost untouchable, and then we were under, you know, people love the conspiracies. So it wasn't that Semenya couldn't break it. It's just she didn't was afraid to try. And things at 155.0. The record's one fifty three two. It's not, I don't know. Is that that far off? People start running 155. You start thinking about it, then they don't get much closer. But she's super young, super fast. I think if anyone can do it, it's her. Let's get the double going. I think probably by the end of the year, with the, with the worlds in the US, Allison Felix is going to be gone. A thing Mo is going to be the face of female track and field in the United States.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, look, 1.8 seconds is not insignificant in 800 when you're that fast. I mean, let's say, like, it's the difference between the current world record on the men's side and then running 139.1. I mean, that's, you know, is anyone going to run 139.1 in the men's 800 anytime soon? No. So... It's not an insignificant gap, but I also think she's talented enough that it could happen. In general, I'm just really excited for the 2022 Worlds in Eugene. First World Championships in America, you're going to have, in the span of a few months, the Prefontaine Classic, the NCAA Outdoor Championships, the US Outdoor Championships, and the World Championships, all in Eugene. It's it's crazy, but that's basically, it's going to be the track capital of the world next year.
0: You left a word out there, John. Crazy stupid. We're paying Max Siegel seven figures a year to put every damn meat in Eugene. It's hard as hell to get to Eugene, Oregon. Do you think that the, that the limited number of track fans in America want to figure out a way to get out there and then go to pre and then kill themselves to go out to NCAs and then kill themselves to go out to USAs and then kill themselves to go out to Worlds? No, they only want to go out there one damn time. This guy, oh my gosh. Has he been suspended yet for the... Investigation. Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. I don't think you can really blame Max Siegel for all that. He doesn't decide where the Prefontaine Classic is held or where they hold NCAAs. But I would say, like, this year, okay, yeah, you can have USA's in Eugene. You'll get fans that's exciting because you have the world championships later that month. But, like, we could also have it at Mount Sac, get people excited, get Southern California fans. You know, I think if you're a Southern California person, you're more likely to go to USA's at Mount Sac than you are in Eugene. And there's also a lot more people in Southern California than Eugene.
0: And you're more likely to go to both. You're not going to go to both in Eugene unless you're a coach or an agent. Right. So by the way, a thing, if you're listening, we're trying to reach out to you to get you on the podcast. Oh, speaking of which, because we have got an exciting announcement to make. Unlike Facebook, unlike Twitter, we like to hear from you. We always say, pick up the phone and give us a call. Eight four four Let's Run. 7786 You can now text that number. I'm paying an obscene the amount of money, at least for a month, to see if anybody wants to text us. I forgot where it goes. It's some app I have to check. Eight four four Let's Run. Eight four four five three eight seven seven eight six. I think text us. We'll have you on the show. But when I was thinking we might have her on the show, I started looking at the Olympic medalist and I just posted the link to the Wikipedia page for the Olympics as well as USA's guys, if you want to check it out with me. But I was wondering, you know, just off the top of my head, was she by far the most unlikely Olympic gold medalist? Like at the beginning of the year, who would have thought I think Mo would be the Olympic 800 gold medalist. And it's amazing. Like this again, gets back to my thing about it's a bell curve, but the very best people, are just so, so damn good. Like, let's look at the names of these gold medalists. Like, none of these names, I'm gonna go for the men first, were really a shock at all. Emmanuel Career, Jacob Ingebrigtsen, Joshua Cheptegai, Salomon Berega. I mean, just total so, total so, total so. And then you got El in the steeple, right? Nothing shocking about any of those names. And then you go down to the women, a thing, Mo. Okay. Nobody saw that coming, but she was you know, <laughs> teen phenom in America. Faith, Kip Yegan, Safana San, Safana and Perth, Chimitai. So I guess you could argue Perth, Chimitai was more unlikely than a thing. Mo. I don't know. John, what do you think on that front?
1: Well, heading into the Olympics, Chimitai was clearly a much bigger surprise than a thing Mo. I think you could even say before 2021 because, well, I guess that's not totally true. Her personal best was 907 coming into 2021. So I'd say it's either Chimutai or Mo. I think I probably would have been more surprised by Mo. Just a 19-year-old American winning the gold medal. But And she'd never broken two in the 800 before. I think I probably would have said Mo was the biggest surprise.
0: Okay. And when I'm looking at the list of those medalists, it got me to thinking, like, let's try to predict ahead to 2024 because... I was reminded last week, John, you and I made predictions. We predicted the U.S. Olympic team in 2018. So we thought we were doing it two years out. We actually did it three years out, and it's it's fun. I'll, I'll link to the article in the show notes.
1: And that's why all our predictions were wrong, people. It was COVID. Blame COVID. Don't blame us. If the games and trials had been held in 2020, we would have gone 100%. Well, at least one of us would have.
0: Yes, and I I was thinking (laughs) we're less than three years out from the next Olympics. So there should, you know, um, I don't really want to go event by event and make predictions, but looking at that, I, I thought this would be fun. You know, you guys are on that Wikipedia page. Of the Olympic medalists this year, who are you confident will medal in 2024? Now, to repeat as a medalist, is not very common. I'm just talking 800 on up. The people that medaled in the 2016-2021 Olympics and the distance races were Paul Chalimo and Ellie Kipchoge for the men. That's it. And for the women, it was Faith kip and Helen O'Berry, as well as Hyman King and the women's steeple. So... When I look at the list, let's start with the men. Which men's medalists do you think have a greater than fifty percent chance of repeating in two thousand twenty-four? I'm going to count it up in my head. I have four. Yeah,
1: I I say I have two or three, maybe. I'm not totally certain. I might have one. Okay,
2: one's easy. Jakob Ingebrigtsen. I agree. Although Nick Willis thinks he might have retired by then, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. If he's still competing. The two guys I was thinking him, and I think I feel fairly confident Joshua guy who was gold and silver this year and is the world record holder in the five and 10K and is still only 25 years old. I feel like three years from now, he's probably going to medal in at least one event.
2: I thought about that, but I'm like, what if he's moved up to the marathon or something? He was probably going to be my bet. Then I'm like, what if has surpass, surpassed him by then? Who knows?
0: Okay, I had those two. Then
2: I've got Berega.
0: Bur- Borrega, I mean, let's send about a good day. is amazing because she medaled twice, won gold twice in World Junior Cross Country, which no one does. Borrega if his age of 21 is to believe, won World Junior Cross Country at age 16. He's got one 10,000 gold. I mean, although the distance races are so, so stacked right now. And then I thought, what if Britson moves up? But he won 10,000 gold. He was number three for me. And then going down to the steeple, I mean, why wouldn't El Bacali be here? And he's only 25.
1: Just to be clear, Selmon Brega never won World Junior Cross Country. I don't know where you're finding that stat, Robert.
0: I mean, he won the the, excuse me, the World Junior 5,000. At sixteen, somehow he didn't medal at all in in twenty sixteen when he was sixteen years of age.
1: Yeah, he he medaled, he won it in twenty sixteen. He didn't medal in twenty eighteen, and that I think that's the issue here. Is I think Berega that used a strong case. You can say Berega, Chepta guy, and Jacob Kiplimo, all three medalists in the ten k. I mean, Kiplimo is also only twenty one years old. You'd say why wouldn't they just run it back on the podium three years from now? And I would say yeah, that that makes sense, but. The problem is there's just a lot of talent. Like Those three guys are really talented, but you're not telling me there's not going to be one or two more guys who emerge who are going to be 21 by 2024? I'm sure there is going to be. Plus, what if Jakob, Jakob Ingebrigtsen moves up to the fifth to the 5K? I mean, there's only three medals, and this is the very best guys in the world. So, I don't, yeah, I think maybe you could say Ingebrigtsen the only guy you say there's a greater than 50% chance.
0: Fair enough, but you sound like a tennis fan from 15 years ago. Someone is going to come along besides Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. And guess what? No one came along at that talent level. So I, I just think those guys are like – I think guy and Borrega are kind of like Gabriela Selesi-esque and, and Bekele-esque type talents. We shall see. Moving on to the women. I'm going to count up how many of these women I think are going to medal again. One – I think I'm going with four again, or is it five?
1: Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying four or five.
0: I think Mo. I mean, fifth Kibagon. She's already gotten two goals, right? This will be three. Stefan Son good day. and I'm tempted to put Healy Hodgson on there. How old is she?
1: She's 19. Yeah, Robert. I'm. Those are the same five people, and I was thinking the same exact thing. I feel. Fi- Pretty confident, thing. think, Mo. Kibigon's only 27. Safan Hassan's only 28. I think three years from now, I would I'd expect them to medal again. I'm very confident G'day will medal because she's even younger than that. She's only 23. And then Hodgkinson, yeah, Hodgkinson's 19. But the the 800's just a little bit more of a crapshoot, you know. If you're the absolute, you know, it's If you run it like they did in 2021, where it's just a fastest guys like there's no strategy involved then yeah the very best athletes will win but it doesn't always go that way
0: and with olympics being less than three years away like the pregnancy stuff they can put that off they want to have a family i'm pretty confident i think in those five
1: what about kipchoge in the marathon should we i mean we just we kind of overlooked the marathon events but we don't think kipchoge or perez gypchia is going to be meddling again in the marathon i feel like their chances are pretty good
2: nope 50%, John, the marathon's hard. Kipchoge will get old at some point. You could get hurt. I'm not saying over 50.
1: People were saying this about Kipchoge five years ago. He's going to get old. He can't keep winning forever. Proving everyone wrong so far.
2: It's interesting Robert said a good day because she only got a bronze medal this last Olympics. So why are you so confident in her, Robert?
0: Because she's won 29.01 and 62.50-something. I don't know. She's, she's super young. She's going to be in her prime. She's going to be, be, be... Yes, I know she only won bronze. She'll either be in the marathon gold medal favorite or dominating the track. So I purposely left Kipchoge off because I don't think he'll be meddling at that age. Could be wrong. Chip Chircher, uh, she's pretty damn good. I think I, is a greater than 50% chance. It's probably right around 50%. Along those lines... I thought it'd be fun to think which U.S. Olympians from this year are likely to repeat—greater than fifty percent chance that they will also be on the Olympic team in 2024. So it's basically the same mental exercise we did: who finished top three at the U.S. Trials, who finished top three in three years. You know, I don't know if the numbers were as as slow this year. You know, numbers of repeats as they were in terms of the Olympic medalists
2: or not. But I mean, is this the exercise the shoe companies do every year when they're? signing people oh man this one's going to be hard okay let's start with the bin.
1: cole hawker obviously right we all think cole hawker is going to be on the 2024 olympic team
0: agreed well, like when we made these predictions two years out like we had clayton murphy as a lock in 800 meters i mean i, I think that could he be on the team i don't think it's greater than 50 chance but cole hawker yes he's one for me
1: Donovan Brazier, if he's healthy, then I have him as a lock for 2024. But I I don't think maybe there's no such thing as a lock in 2020 in the 800. But, well, I think Moe's a lock. But, yeah, if he's healthy, I think Donovan Brazier makes the team. I think his chances are greater than 50%.
2: But you just violated the rules. We're picking people who made the last Olympic team to make this next Olympic.
1: Oh, we're saying they had to have made the last Olympic team? All right.
2: Which I think shows how difficult this is. Because in case you guys don't remember, Donovan Brazier did not make this Olympic team. And so, yeah, I thought Hawker, and I think Grant Fisher, he made two events last time. That's probably my best bets. I mean, some of these other guys could make it. I guess Woody Kincaid made two teams, but I don't think him. I think his Fisher is being a slightly better talent.
1: Kincaid's 29 years old. Grant Fisher is only 24. Kincaid
0: only made it one event. No, no, to me.
1: Kincaid made it at both events, and he was the U.S. champion in the 10,000.
0: Oh my bad, no no. My locks are Hawker and Fisher. It repeats because I don't I don't have Brazier on there. And then for the men, and then for the women, obviously I will think Mo. I mean, let's just hand her hand her that now. So it, it's kind of interesting here. Again, I think we can put the Calvados, assuming they don't have pregnancies or out for that. I'm going to put Perrier in there because she has two options.
1: I think Schweizer. She made the team in both events. She's run 1426 for 5,000. I mean, she she wasn't even fully healthy this year. She just had surgery a few weeks ago, yet she still made it in both events. And she's only 25 years old. I think she'll be on at least one team in 2024.
0: You talked me into that.
1: And then Frerichs. Frerichs Frerichs is 28, so I get... And Coburn is 31. I mean... I still think they'll both be on the team in 2024.
2: It's two years from this summer. I think they'll both make it. 50% is tough because Alicia Monson barely made the team. I think she's got a lot of upside, but probably not the 50% upside. I'm going to go with Molly Seidel. The marathon is a little bit iffy, but I think she's that much better than everybody else in the U.S. right now.
1: Yeah, what do we make of Rupp? Rupp's 35 right now. I, I think he'll still, if he's still running at 38, I think he'll be on the team.
0: Yeah, because it's only, well, the trials will only be.
1: Trials are a little over two months away, you would think. Oh, well, hold on. No, no, no. Sorry, two years away. If the, Yeah, yeah. Because if the trials are going to be, you would think they'd be in the early in early 2024. That means they're a little over two years away means he'd be 37 during the trials yeah i think he's gonna i think he pre- he's pretty close to a lock
0: i wasn't gonna put Rupp on there but it's only two years away wow anyways that was a fun fun exercise again and if Wada listens to my proposal Shelby hoolahan should not be banned for two olympics for one doping offense i would make her walk for the team
1: i don't think anything's a lock coming off a three-year suspension robert
2: I'm not sure what WADA listens to. They listen to us. We should chronicle the stuff, though, that we sort of put out there first that eventually gets adapted because I think we've had a few things. And on that front, you guys came out with a nice article. I had no... nothing to do with this article. That the Olympics should have cross-country and that cross-country should be in the Winter Olympics. That it was a great idea. Sebco... John talked to him last week. He did the media rounds. He said, yeah, we want cross country in the Olympics, but they're saying it has to be in the summer Olympics because sports have to be on snow or ice. And you guys are like, look, it makes a lot more sense to have it in the winter. It'll be more inclusive Olympics. Africa, this is crazy stat. People are loving this on Twitter. An African athlete has never won a medal at a winter Olympics. So you immediately make the sport more inclusive. And then you guys pointed out Hey, you can hold cross-country on snow and ice. Speaking of such, I just checked the Let's Run voicemail. This must have, this call must have come in like an hour before you guys published the article. We got a call from a past caller saying, I'm going to go on a Rojo-type rant. Seb Koja have the Olympics in the winter. They can manicure, they can have manicured snow and ice. It's just what you guys said. So smart lines, minds think alike.
1: Yeah, I I had a lot of fun tag teaming with Robert to write this article. What I would say, the one thing is we didn't mention some of the arguments against cross country. We made the case why it should be in the Winter Olympics. I think it makes sense for us. But we're also big running fans who operate a running website. Now, if you look at all the other sports, they might say, wait a minute, you're telling me that running gets to be in both the Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics? How's that fair to all the other sports? Because there is no other sport where you can compete in both the winter and the summer Olympics. And you can do that if you're a cross country runner and a 10,000 runner.
0: John, we didn't get into like the negatives of the proposal or anything like that, because we wanted to make the argu- argument very simple. And it's getting a lot of traction on Twitter, you know, both positive and negative. But I had said that myself a couple of years ago. I said, for no, no, other, nobody else can medal in the, in the summer and winter Olympics for the same activity. And I get that, but I, we talked about this a little bit on the Friday 15 podcast as we were thinking through these ideas ourselves. By the way, if you want the bonus podcast, go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. And then we, you and I really sort of hashed it out ourselves before typing it up. But this is why I'm willing to trade the 10,000 meters. If push comes to shove, if you say, do you want cross country in the Olympics but we've got to get rid of the 10,000 from the summer Olympics and we're going to move it. Just basically all you're doing is moving the 10,000 from the summer Olympics to the winter Olympics. Maybe we should re- Maybe we should write down. Let's do that in 2022. We can write a new article. You know, we'll move this summer. Just change. Call it the men's 10,000 women's 10,000. You move that from the summer Olympics to the winter Olympics. It's a no brainer. If you think about it that way, because you're not adding medals, you're not watering down things. But you're giving an entire continent a reason to pay attention to the Winter Olympics. They're trying to expand reach. They're trying to get their TV ratings up by adding in, like, skateboarding and breakdancing and stuff that people really don't pay attention to. I'm not saying cross-country is super popular, but it's pretty popular in Africa. And I just think it would be good from a diversity standpoint. So... Yes, and I saw saw some critic on Twitter. What's let's run with three white men talking about diversity, folks? We can celebrate diversity even though we were three white men. So get over it.
2: I noticed that guy criticizing us was a white man himself. So
1: <laughs> no, I I think the other thing is you would say, okay, yes, this is awarding medals for the same activity in two different Olympics. But how about this? We have beach volleyball, and we have regular volleyball in the summer olympics we've got open water swimming and we've got swimming in a pool in the regular olympics like if we had if you're going to have cross country as a separate event if you're cool with having that as a separate event in the summer olympics in addition to track and field why couldn't we just move it from the summer olympics to the winter olympics if you're going to be giving out medals anyway why not give it out in the event where it makes more sense i mean speaking
2: of such, did you guys watch the three-on-three basketball at the Olympics this year?
1: I did actually, I will admit, I was kind of intrigued and I did flip it on a little bit before I left to Tokyo.
2: I I don't know if it finished up like when track was going because I didn't see the end of it. The US men, I don't think even qualified, which is crazy. But Latvia with the men's gold.
1: Is that for Ford? (laughs) You could have given me like a 100 guesses. I wouldn't have guessed Latvia as the men's gold medalist. Oh my God.
2: Do these guys play in real leagues? I'm going to Google the four players on their team. See what they do. USA bringing home the gold. I'll see if any of them actually play in the WNBA as well. Carry on. Take me a while to do my research. Can
0: y'all tell me, is that full court or is it half court?
1: No, it's half court.
0: So there's no fast breaks.
1: Oh, one more thing I wanted to mention. When we talked about looking forward to 2022, can I say I'm very, I'm, super pumped to see Conor Manson's marathon debut. I mean, we are going to hype the crap out of that thing when that happens in the fall, right? I would assume it'll be probably Chicago or New York. Would you rather see him run Chicago and try to blast some super fast time or run New York? I think I'd rather see him run Chicago or like even Berlin or Valencia or something and just try to go super quick.
0: How are you going to see him, John? Are you going to have your own drone following him? Are you going to ride a bike next to him? Because... He ain't going to be running in the lead pack in those races.
1: Chicago, you don't think he could run the lead pack in Chicago? I think he might try. You know, it depends on what the field looks like. If you get a bunch of 203 guys, maybe not. But, you know, if he's trying to run 206 to 207, I could see him running in the lead pack there. Berlin, probably not. You also get, we got to isolate, pay for the man's camp. You know, isolate him, see where he is in in the whole time.
0: Do you think a major would let me do that? ride a bike next to him, holding my phone or you know, I can get, I can get a motorcycle or something.
1: Maybe if he'd accepted let's run sponsorship offer, we could have found a way to work that out. But now that we're not in the inner circle, I'm not sure. Also. I mean, maybe the whole, every, everything we talk about in the sport, we might not even have a podcast next year. It might just be the Aaron and night show. I think this guy, this kid's going to rule the sport and it's only a matter of when he takes over. 2022 might be too soon, but. I don't know. I think we should make some bold predictions. I, I kind of feel like Arian Knighton winning the 2022 World Championships. So that might not even be that bold a prediction. He got fourth of the Olympics this year, but he could just have dominion over the, the sport for the next five years.
0: It looks that way. And there's Noah Lyle's kind of on the way out already. I know he popped that one fast time after the Olympics, but we thought that was wind aided and stuff. It's a lot to be interested in the sprints.
1: Noah Lyles isn't on the way out. Come on, man. He's twenty three years old. Oh, sorry, he's twenty four. No, he'll be around next year. All right, Robert. This is something we talked about the European Cross Country Championships a couple of weeks ago when they happened. We talked about the men's winner of the under twenty race, Axel Van Christensen. Oh my god. I had to, sorry if there was a mispronunciation there. His name is Axel Van Christensen, but whoever wrote this, the notes in our podcast Google Doc, who I'm assuming is Robert, wrote his name as Alex Van Christensen. So you got one of the three names right, Robert. Congratulations. But anyway, Kyle Dennehy, friend of Let's Run.com, had a good article on European athletics about his training. One of the things he revealed, even though he's only 17 years old, he runs 100 miles a week right now. Robert, you have some thoughts on him. Well, yeah,
0: I just I think he's fascinating. I mean, let's run seems to always be about who's the next team phenom, normally an American team phenom that's going to dominate the sport and sort of it's always runners always looking to the next big thing. And one of my highlights for 2021 was certainly Cole Hawker versus Centrowitz. I was so pumped for that and looking forward to it. And I think Europeans have probably been looking at Jacob Ingebrigtsen for the last several years, and you know since he was the youngest to break his sub four minute mile, and he's actually. One of the rare teen phenoms that actually lived up to the hype and wins the gold medal. So is this 17-year-old, you know, the next big deal? At 15, he ran 14.06. At 16, he runs 13.44. At 17, just a few weeks ago, destroys European Cross by 25 seconds in the other 20s. But then we find out his training is running 100 miles a week. Some people think, oh, he's going to be burned out. Is that too much at this age? And I just, I don't know. I was talking to John Kellogg about it last night. I think it's interesting to think about like what makes you peak, when do you burn out, etc. I'm not troubled by the fact that he's running 100 miles a week. I've, John and I have always thought from a coaching standpoint, hammering yourself all the time is worse than running a lot when you're young. So, And the more I thought about it, and again, I like to take alternative takes, but if you've got a beautiful stride and you're not getting overuse injuries, you probably can tolerate the mileage better when you're young than when you're old. When you're young, you can do anything. You can go out and you can stay out till 3 a.m. You can party. You don't get sore. Your body recovers better. So if he's healthy and got there in a reasonable way, why not? I, think, I, I don't think that means he's going to stunt his potential. Um, your running economy gets better by running mileage. So that's generally how you see people improving when they're 30 over 30. Well, he'll have better running economy in his prime. So he's probably better than he was now than he would be if he wasn't running as much, but I don't think it's going to stunt his ultimate potential, if that makes any sense. I think that your potential is more determined by your age. You know, assuming you're training at 100%, like the most you can train, then it's your age, assuming you've been doing it for a couple of years. It's not that you've been... Do- I don't think if you've been running 100 miles a week for... If you're 25 and you've been running 100 miles a week for 10 years versus running 100 miles a week for two years, I think you're going to be better off if you've done it for 10 years than versus two.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing here is he's still running really well and he seems to be strong enough to handle it. Like If this is a guy who's trying to run 100 miles a week, he's breaking down every other month or he's running 100 miles a week and he's struggling to break 15 minutes, maybe I'd say, yeah, this isn't right for your development but this is a guy who's doing things that no one in his country's ever done. He's the best in Europe by some distance. Seems to be walking out pretty well for him. So I would basically say it seems like he has a good coach and they seem to know what they're doing. You know, maybe I look like a moron a few years from now, but he's also a humongous talent who seems capable of handling the mileage right now.
0: John Kellogg's yelling across the room, it's better to have burned out than to have never caught fire. I agree. Plus this guy says, you know, he doesn't have the speeds. He doesn't have the speed of being a business, So I don't think he's going to be a 1500 meter guy. So he's going to have to beat the Africans at the long distance events. So going to have to work pretty
2: hard to do that. Well, that goes back to the Chris leader comment a few weeks ago. Should we just treat our sport as field hockey? Assume there's not a pro career and everyone tries to be their best by about 22. If you can go beyond that, it's a bonus. Sorry, guys, for not being able to participate too much in the conversation. I was busy looking at Latvian basketball stats. <laughs> I don't think these guys, I can't really find them in a team. One guy might be in a Latvian, like, pro league. If anyone knows anything about the Latvian three-on-three team, let me know.
1: All right, gentlemen. Well, in a week where absolutely nothing of significance happened in any races in the running world, we still managed to go, I think, almost an hour and a half do we have anything else we want to talk about before we wish everyone a Merry Christmas and take up? We're not going to have a Friday. Fi- well, this is a debate internally. Weldon and I think recording a Friday 15 on Christmas Eve, we might just want to spend the time with our families, but Rojo apparently has some takes. He wants to unload still and wants to do it.
0: Do you have a lot of cancellations? If I just practice like a political show, just to see what it's like. No, I would, I mean, I wouldn't normally be doing this for, subscribers, but just I've always wanted to be the, I don't want to say it because people will cancel if I say it.
1: I'm sure Robert, I'm sure that the greatest Christmas present you could possibly give to our listeners is to go on a 30 minute solo political rant. I mean, if that's not how you're going to spend your Christmas Eve, Christmas day, listening to Rojo rant about politics and COVID and transgender athletes, I mean, you're not really living. Just throw that on the radio in the living room. Have everyone gather around. I mean, what, what what a way to spend Christmas.
0: I really want to see if I can do a show by myself, but I think I'm very good at arguing at, at both opposites. I should be immediate. I'm good at arguing one side and then the other side. Like, I'm against the max vax mandate and giving out free tests to everybody, yet I just went out and bought three tests for myself and triple vax. So I'm not really against it, but
2: anyways. If Robert was next level, he tried to be the second coming of Phil Hendry. Probably the most underrated personality in the history of radio. John, do you know who Phil Hendry is? Never heard of him. Without Phil Hendry, there may not be a let's run. I move out to Flagstaff. Satellite radio did exist in 2000, but I'm giving it a go. I quit my job in economic consulting to train. Little hack runner. I still contend I'm the only guy who would really do the high-low training. I would drive one hour, two hours round trip, once a week four hours sometimes once a week to phoenix to work out i, mean, I just would do this regularly in the little car honda senefe i think i had satellite radio maybe not yet maybe not the first year and i would just you start scanning the am stations what else are you gonna do you got a four-hour drive and i heard this thing on the radio and i'm like this is outrageous these guests are crazy man and i was just laughing so hard and Turns out, John Phil Henry—he would be the guest and the caller at the same time, changing voices. I mean, there were some epic ones. Oh, I used to know them.
0: Then, when I moved to Flagstaff after running two twenty-three in the Vegas Marathon, Walden, picked, Walden paced me the whole way. By the way, then now kicked me and took the prize money. He was—we were driving back. He was telling me about this Phil Henry guy, and we could—I think we could barely hear it. Satellite radio did save us because. Well, Remember, there's no podcast back then. You had to drive four hours and there was no radio stations between Flagstaff and Phoenix unless you were on the AM dial.
2: Any Phil Henry fans, email me.
0: All right, everyone. Have a wonderful holiday. If you still need that gift, give the gift of Let's Run, let'srun.com slash subscribe. I've got great news. I just clicked on the forum and I saw a brief article about this. But someone reminded me on the forum. The U.S. Army has invented a super vaccine. We're all, there's going to be no COVID soon. We can be optimistic for 2022. Stay healthy. See you guys and gals next week, or maybe on Friday.
2: You got to take care of yourself this holiday season. and That means getting electrolytes without the junk. You don't need sugar in your electrolytes, so you got to try Drink LMNT today. Hundreds of you have taken advantage of this offer. You go to drinklmnt.com slash let's run and you get a sample pack sent your way with six different flavors, you pay $5 shipping. If you don't like it, I will personally refund your 5 bucks. No one has taken me up on that offer. You know why? Because Let's Runners love this stuff. I bumped into one of you yesterday in the city. You said, hey, I tried Element, and I love it. Check it out today, and then you can worry about everyone else on your Christmas list.